0: Hey, good Thursday afternoon. Welcome in here once again to your favorite YouTube channel or at least a YouTube channel you watch every now and then. I don't know what your favorite YouTube channel is, but this should be uh, among your, we'd, we'd hope, top five or six. Uh, Gabe DeArmond here with powermazoo.com We're going to talk to Chris Clark of Gamecock Central here in just a minute about the South Carolina Gamecocks and uh, certainly one of the most anticipated college football games of the year as they come into Columbia. We will get to that shortly, but um, as always, we got to pay some bills first. And speaking of paying bills, we all have to do it. None of us like it. But if you work with Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones, they can make it a little less painful. Not really because they're going to cost any less, just because they can take care of the money that you do have. They offer numerous investments and services to help you reach any of your financial goals, including smart spending and borrowing options, retirement, paying for education, estate considerations, and just protecting the assets you have. You can get in touch with Stuart there at 573-817-3108, or you can find your uh, financial assistant at EdwardJones.com. If you forget any of that information, or you just didn't pay attention to me for the first week, Stewart's uh, Stewart's logo is going to be on the screen throughout this whole show. So hopefully you can look up and find it there. And now on the screen is uh, is Chris Clark from Gamecock Central. And uh, Chris, the most important thing, man. I mean, it's the Mayor's Cup. It's it's the biggest trophy in college football. It's uh, it's that time of year again. Yeah, it is, man. Uh,
1: th- th- actually, I don't know if any guys have uh, talked about the Mayor's Cup over there. There were some uh, – I can't remember if it was A&M or Missouri, maybe even both. Some of the coaches didn't really seem to know that there was a trophy involved. Right. I think there's one for the A&M game. Uh, the-, the, only- the only trophy-related memory that I have was that 2013 game where Connor Shaw came off the bench, mm-hmm. led them to the to the victory after they were down 17 nothing. And there's that kind of shot of him holding that trophy. Other than that, not exactly, you know, the most prestigious trophy in the world, but nonetheless, hey, it's an important game for both these teams, I would say, still
0: yeah I uh I honestly had forgotten there was a trophy until Eli drinkwood said earlier this week hey there's a trophy on the line and I I don't know if he said that like seriously or kind of mockingly or whatever but no you're right it is a big game um certainly Missouri I, Missouri has to have this one almost to get bowl eligible I think I mean they're four and five they've got they've got Florida and Arkansas left to the likelihood of winning both those games if they don't win this one, I think, is pretty terrible. And uh South Carolina, you mentioned Connor Shaw. Somebody asked us on our show yesterday who is South Carolina's quarterback. I said, I I don't I think it's not Connor Shaw. That's all I know about it. So uh <laughs> they played like nine different guys. Who who is their quarterback for this it one?
1: Can't first of all, can verify it will not be Connor Shaw. And that's uh, he, the best news be Missouri fans have heard all uh, week. Yeah, unfortunately for South Carolina, fortunately for Missouri. He is still on staff, but uh, he does not have an extra year of eligibility, so they will not be able to pull him uh, from his from his current team role like they did with Zeb Nolan. No, you're right. Uh, beginning of the year, it was Luke Doty. He got injured in preseason, so he missed game one. Uh, they go with Zeb Nolan ultimately, and now it's been Jason Brown. Uh, Zeb Nolan was banged up in the Texas A&M game. He had a small meniscus procedure. Uh, After that game, missed a lot of practice time. And, you know, Jason Brown may have gotten a shot anyways. Uh, That certainly accelerated it. And so they went with him against Florida. Obviously, the Gators have problems, Gabe, as we've seen. But uh, South Carolina played far and away their best game against those guys last week. And Jason Brown had a really good game. You know, we kind of saw, we call it the Jason Brown experience here in Columbia, which has a lot of interesting components to it. And he showed the absolute best of that and he took care of the footballs. So uh, he'll be the guy, you know, second game in a row, transfer from St. Francis, which is an FCS program. South Carolina got him, and, and the big receiver, who's his best friend, EJ Jenkins, they got those guys out of the transfer portal on kind of a package deal. So it's Jason Brown's gig on Saturday again. All right, so I, I said Missouri needs
0: this one to get bowl eligible. South Carolina, I feel like it has to have this one, really to have a chance to be bowl eligible. They They host Auburn next week they host Clemson the week after Thanksgiving and we all know Clemson's not Clemson, but they're still not bad. I mean, again, the chances of losing this one and winning both of those two seem virtually impossible. So one of the, I mean, this is, I jokingly called the Tennessee Missouri game earlier this year, the Duke's Mayo bowl, but this is like the battle to go to the Birmingham bowl here. The winners, the winner has a shot. The loser has no shot to go to a bowl. Yeah.
1: It's going to be really difficult. I mean, and and look, what a difference a week makes for South Carolina because, you know, after the A&M game, they played so poorly in that one and people kind of were assessing the season and saying it's really going to be tough to get to that six win mark because what's your schedule? It's Florida, it's Missouri, it's, it's Auburn and it's Clemson as you've laid out. You need to steal a game somewhere and they've done that. They kind of stole that Florida game, maybe not as much of a theft as originally thought but based on how poorly things are going down in Gainesville. But, but nonetheless, an impressive win for South Carolina, given the circumstances. And so this is one of the games. Some of these games have like shifted from what they thought, what we thought they'd be early in the season. For instance, that Clemson game, beginning of the season, you would have said, you would have given Clemson a a 99% chance, even on the road of winning that game. Now, they'll be favored probably, uh, not by as much, right? So, uh. Oh, There's been a lot of different shifts in the perception. The Missouri game has always been thought of as, as a swing game, and I think that's still the case. Yeah. Even though we have a, what, a nine game sample size of both these teams, still a very important game. And if they can get this one, you've got it made as far as bowl eligibility, and the rest is gravy.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I don't. Again, I want to be careful not to take too much credit away from South Carolina because, look, even if the other team's down, you've got to take advantage of that, right? I, I mean, yeah. and, and yeah. South Carolina deserves credit for doing so. But if you are just an impartial observer on Saturday night, I didn't watch that game because by the time I knew it was going to be worth watching, like it was 30-10, to 10 and it wasn't worth watching anymore. But <laughs> if you're just an impartial observer, you're watching that game, was that game more about South Carolina playing well or like, has Florida just quit?
1: That's been uh, probably the most common question we've gotten. It's a question I've asked myself during the game uh, multiple times. What what is this about? Um, I I hate to give the cop out answer, but honestly, after rewatching it, assessing everything, I do think it's some of both. Right? I mean, both the teams came in with the same record; they're four and four, but totally different feels. South Carolina, and I think. Actually, Shane Beamer and his and his staff deserve a lot of credit for this. Even in games where they were getting blown out, Tennessee, AM, and m the team didn't quit. You never looked at the team and said, they've lost the locker room. There's an effort problem. They still played hard. They came into the Florida game motivated. They played better. They looked like they wanted to be there. Florida did not, right? They didn't play very well. Fired their offensive line coach and their defensive coordinator right afterwards. Players weren't engaged. It wasn't good. There's was supposedly some flu going around on the Florida team, right? That said, South Carolina beat Vanderbilt by one point. That's a team that's got problems, too, mainly just from a roster standpoint. They struggled against Troy. Uh, they eked one out against DCU, right? Like, this isn't a team that set the world on fire against anybody. They came out and dominated Florida basically from start to finish. And I think in that, we saw some of the things that, like, for instance, if nothing else, we thought the South Carolina team – would have a chance to be maybe serviceable on offense going into this year. Uh, they haven't been able to run the ball all year with, with that offensive line that returned some starters, four starters, and four really good backs. We thought at the minimum they'd be able to run the ball. They haven't all year. Well, against Florida they did, and I think some of that was about Florida. Some of it was about schematic tweaks that South Carolina made, little things, and some of it was about they just played better, right? Jason Brown gave them a spark. They ran the ball better. They took care of the football. Um, I think it was some of both, and so the key for them is: can they put together back-to-back weeks? Can they go to a Missouri team that, while they've, in my mind, improved defensively, uh, can they go out and run the football again? Can they put together back-to-back performances?
0: That uh, there's there's one guarantee in SEC football: Dan Mullen will always have a reason it wasn't his fault. Um, you know, damn Flew really, uh, really, really hurt Florida yeah. in that game. Yeah. Um uh, So. I, you mentioned the running game and I mean, it's, it's been a little bit like, uh, you know, like the, the quarterback game for South Carolina. I mean, it's a committee thing. I I mean, nobody for South Carolina has a hundred carries yet. I understand Kevin Harris is, is kind of the guy, but I mean, he's not even right now, this team's leading rusher. So, and, and he led the SEC last year. So what, what's that, kind of evolution been like throughout the year and nobody's averaging 50 yards a game but like you said they just went out and put 200 on Florida
1: yeah and and there's been that has also been kind of a complex animal as to why it's happened that way beginning of the year you know Kevin Harris big expectations on him again after having 1100 yards last year uh, wasn't healthy at the beginning of the year had a minor back procedure they held him out against CIU it took him a while to get integrated the first game that he really was back, back, you know, in terms of carries, Georgia, you know. So I mean, that's kind of, you know, you play Georgia, and that that's not going to be your best showing on on auto. Um, and so they played him. Zaquandre White had a really good spring. Um, he's kind of one of the leaders of the team in terms of just vocal leadership, and he's been really good. Um, for the most part. Now, the offense in in general has struggled. The run game has really struggled. But Zaquandre White, I mean, for some time, he was the leading rusher, really on the strength of his week one performance. He was a leading rusher for several games, even after he hadn't gotten carries in like three straight games. Juju McDowell was a freshman, a smaller change of pace back. He was the guy for a little while. He took over the fourth quarter against ECU. He played some. Marshawn Lloyd, former five-star just took him a while to get reintegrated, and he had his best game, I think just seven carries against Florida, but broke off a long 50-yard run, I think it was, and he just got his knee brace off during that bye week. Looked like a different guy. So could it be coming together? I don't know, right? I mean, all four backs did play. They they played Juju McDowell on the Wildcat. He scored a touchdown on that play down in the red zone. Um, I think, look, first guy out there, I still think it's going to be Zaquandre White just based on what we've seen lately. and He had a really good game against Florida, but there's probably room for all guys, as long as there's enough snaps, as long as they're staying on the field, probably room for all those guys to play a little bit of a role.
0: You kind of alluded to it. Uh, I mean, the thought around here is, I don't know, Missouri played its best game against the run at Georgia, and that's an unusual team to have played your best game against the run against, but... Same time they gave up three hundred and thirty seven yards passing. So, you know, is this uh we don't know if this run defense is fixed or not. I think we'll we'll find out a little bit more about it this weekend. What have, you know, Shane Beamer and his staff said about facing a team that literally until last week was the worst run defense in America? I think they've moved up to like one twenty-eighth or something, maybe, basically, uh, based on holding Georgia down
1: to one hundred seventy. Well, that and that really stood out to me. I've mentioned that on GC Live, our our streaming program this week. Gabe is that um, I was kind of jarred by watching the the Georgia-Missouri game about how Georgia couldn't run the ball, you know, between the tackles really against Missouri. But for for Beamer and his staff, the the word that they've used a lot is they've talked about how Missouri's improved. You know, they're they're really hammering that home about how they've improved, and I think they probably got that in mind. I, I think they're probably pointing. Out to their players that don't get caught up in what well, what was the what was it Southeast Missouri State or whoever they gave up you know nine yards a carry to earlier in the season that's not the same team now it's now it's the Missouri team that just last week held Zamir White to one point eight yards a carry or whatever and so you know they they are showing uh, in the media and I think projecting to the team a lot of healthy respect for Missouri and really putting forth the idea that they have improved. And I think they have something in their own team to point to as well. The offense wasn't playing well for South Carolina early in the season. They've seen even in their own organization, their own team, that you can play better than you were earlier in the year, and I think they are are hammering that home about Missouri too on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I, I lied. I gave Missouri too much credit. They moved up to 129th in run defense, not 128th. So, you know, up next. Number one twenty eight Kansas, uh, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, flip sides of the ball. I mean, when I'm I'm looking through South Carolina stats, they just nothing stands like. There's not a thing like Missouri's run defense where you go they're They're terrible at that. There, I, I don't know if there's anything that I look and say they're great. Like their stats just look like yeah, that should be about a four and five football team, right? <laughs> and, and I mean that's yeah, that's what they are.
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, competition adjusted, I think, when you look at, you know, they, they got beat beat on pretty badly by Tennessee. That got out of hand, Texas A&M. Um, they performed really well in other games. Um, they did a great job against Florida, you know, and, and Dan Mullen uh, defensively. I think the strength of this team is on the defensive front. They have a guy in J.J. Inigbare who is, you know, a first or second round pick after this year. They have another former five-star in Zach Pickens. Jabari Ellis is playing well. Aaron Sterling's a... A super senior, you know, this season, and they have some depth behind them. Um, that that's the strength. The secondary and linebackers—that was the biggest concern. They lost Sherrod Green, their starter, in the Georgia game on the second play earlier in the year, and so their depth has been stretched there. Um, so that's been a little bit of an issue. They've had some issues in the run game there. The secondary carried the biggest questions because they had uh, they had three transfers. Uh, and then they, or they had two transfers, and then they had a couple NFL defections, including J.C. Horn. A lot of guys to replace there, a lot of depth issues. They have pieced that one together under the circumstances. I think about as well as you could hope for. Jalen Foster's gone from a former walk-on to, you know, a, a Thorpe Award semifinalist, so he's done a really good job too. Um, I think that there's been progress here. Shane Beamer talks a lot about maximizing like he he said what are, what are your expectations for this team we want to maximize what this team could be offensively they hadn't done that until last week special teams they've been very good um, sometimes the number one ranked special teams in the country defensively I don't know if they've totally completely maximized it because some of their rough performances but they've come close and so this is a team that still they've still struggled against the run some. They've still given up explosive plays, but they've been solid for the most part and they've done pretty well in the take takeaway department as well.
0: Uh yeah, Shane Beamer, by the way, I want to hear the first the first coach that says what are your expectations? I'd really like to minimize what we can be. I'd like to I'd like to hit the low end of of what I see. <laughs> Yeah. But, but no, yeah. Shane Beamer, I was talking to somebody else that covers Missouri, and like I've had this impression all year, and he just said, Look, I don't know if he's a great coach or not, but he just seems like a really normal dude, like a, like a pretty likable guy that has a, has a, a reasonable outlook, which is not necessarily something we get to cover a lot.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's very true. He's, he's a different kind of guy. You know, you hear that sometimes it's like a buzzword about a coach, but, uh, he, he's got a little bit more of an edge, I think, than sometimes he even portrays publicly. He's a very positive guy, though, which I think this team needed after last year. You know, just didn't go well. So, he's been overwhelmingly positive, both publicly and even behind the scenes. Um, he understands media. He understands branding. He understands getting out in the community. He does those things, and he's on social media a lot. So, he's kind of got his way that he wants to go about doing things and a lot of it is about connectivity and love and those things like that and culture you know every coach talks about culture the buzzword it's annoying with Beamer I've got to say I think some of the stuff and and you hear this from people around the program like there is a real aspect to it he is he is a pretty genuine guy I think Um, that's what people walk away with and I think that's also evident by the way that yeah the record's not there in year one but by the way, the team has continued to respond and, and you know, continued to play hard and then they get a result last week in the form of beating Florida.
0: Yeah, I, I uh I did see on Twitter earlier this week and I think I I forget, but I think it was it was one of his kids. He was like his kid asked him not to ruin his birthday by losing to Florida or maybe his wife's birthday or something like that. I thought that was yeah. pretty
1: good. Well and, and Beamer you so say Beamer's son Hunter, I think he's eight and this guy is it is a handful, man. I mean, he's around a lot, running around all the prospect camps. He's out there every day running around sweating. And
0: there was another one from
1: earlier this year where it was before the season, I think, and Beamer was telling the story. He said, yeah, Hunter came up to me, and he was like, Dad? He's like, what, buddy? He's like, you know, try not to get fired this year, you know? So he's, he gets, he gives him a hard time, man. He's like, a, he's like a, an 11th coach out there or something, or a 12th coach out there.
0: That's awesome. Uh, speaking of speaking of South Carolina coaches doing things on social media, look, I am a huge Frank Martin fan. I have said that forever. Like, I love the fact that he just went out and told a fan basically to shut up and quit being a clown. That's my favorite thing that I've seen. And uh, like, I know it's probably stupid and he shouldn't do it, but I still think it was awesome.
1: He he does that a lot. Actually, he'll go through some little uh, spurts where he'll call some people out. If you we, we kind of have a little joke about it here in, in Columbia in the media, where I mean, if you if you come sideways, Frank on social media, you better be ready to receive a response, and a lot of times to get embarrassed because he he, he will he will come at it with some ammo.
0: Or right. I mean, look, I know everybody's starting Missouri started basketball season Tuesday night. I mean, what's that look like in South Carolina this year? Are their expectations? Or are they just kind of. In the middle of this big slog in the SEC where I, I think Missouri is and I think a number of teams are.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like who emerges from that slog? I, I think from the in terms of the fan base and the expectations, it's kind of a wait and see for a couple reasons. Number one, just how some of the past years have gone, we really thought in the offseason there might be a new regime. You know, I mean it, it but Frank is bat, he's definitely he's re-energized. It's been really interesting to watch. And he's got a team that's so new, it's hard to even put expectations on it. Three new freshmen, a bunch of transfers. I think they have nine new guys or something like that. A lot of defections in the offseason, a lot of guys brought in. But he's got an interesting group, and it's kind of like a Frank Martin team. Like, when you think about a Frank Martin team, this is kind of it. Like, guys that hustle, they play defense, uh, they have some different skill sets. A guy like Eric Stevenson who transferred in. Chico Carter, James Reese from North Texas, they made a run last year. Uh, AJ Wilson, he's got a lot of interesting guys, and so I think there's some cautious optimism. Fans, I think, want them to get through this first part of the season before conference play without, like, dropping a game to Ryder. Ryder may be, like, a Sweet 16 team. I don't know, but I know they play Ryder. Not, but you never can tell. Well, Well, that's, that's typically in the past few years there have been, like, a couple or a handful of losses that are just totally inexplicable. This kind of haunted this team, you know, and so I think that's what people want to see. But they've only had one exhibition game and one game against USC Upstate. Nobody's going to give them a medal for beating USC Upstate. But when you just watch this team, interesting pieces. So I'd say there's some intrigue around it leave it
0: at that all right we'll finish up last thing back to the football game just i, I don't love to do predictions because we already do enough predictions places people get mad at us but i like south carolina wins this game if what like if you can boil this down to one thing that they've got to do on saturday what is it
1: well i would say it, it's to prey on what has been for most of the season missouri's weakness but also most of the season south carolina's weakness that's run the football You know, like we get, I get irritated because like every single game, you could put up a key to the game and say, run the ball, stop the run. But like it is important in this one because we know Missouri struggled, we know South Carolina struggled when they haven't run the ball. So that's kind of one of those something's got to give things. So So South Carolina Carolina needs to run the ball uh, effectively, and they need to limit turnovers on the road. You know, you're going to have a quarterback making his first SEC road start in Jason Brown. They've had some turnover issues on offense. Do that and I think they'll have a decent chance to, to walk away with a right win.
0: All right, well, it's the coveted 3 o'clock SEC Network spot, so uh, we know everybody's going to be watching. But, Chris, appreciate your time, man. We'll, we'll let you run and, and catch up with you later on.
1: Appreciate you, Gabe. Thanks for having me, man.
0: All right. That is Chris Clark from GamecockCentral.com. Does a great job covering South Carolina. I encourage you guys to check out their site. Um, one of the better ones in the network, certainly. Uh, they cover every angle, and uh, if you want kind of the view from, from over there, and it's pretty interesting. Didn't really have time to get into this with Chris, but, like, I wonder if we're coming up on – because I think this has been the most entertaining series for Missouri since joining the SEC. I mean, I know everybody hates the 2013 game that Chris mentioned where Connor Shaw came. In, but you had that the next year. Missouri goes to South Carolina and looks absolutely dead for like three and a half quarters, and then Matty Mock leads a comeback. Uh, you had the the thing with two weather delays in Columbia a couple years ago. Uh, I think that was in Barry Odom's final season. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz beats him last year. So it's it, there have been a lot of pretty decent games in this series, and now with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, whenever they do, you know if that's next year, if that's the year after, but I wonder if we're kind of. It just seems like Missouri and South Carolina have gotten a little bit of a rivalry going and a little bit of something interesting, and and now we might be back to a point where they're not going to play very much. So I, I think it'll be kind of interesting to see. And like I said, didn't have a lot of time to get into that with Chris because we wanted to talk more, obviously, about what's going on this week and, and all that, which is what we do on this show. And South Carolina is um, – look, this is – I mean, the winner of this is probably – Fourth in the SEC, fourth or fifth in the SEC East. I mean, it's Missouri, South Carolina, Florida, right? Kind of all in that little group now, which is weird. You wouldn't have thought Florida was there, but South Carolina put them there with a huge beatdown. Missouri now gets South Carolina this week and Florida next week in two games that, I mean, they're really going to ter- determine where Missouri ends up. I, I think Missouri has to win this to get to a bowl game because I think they can beat Florida. And I think individually they can beat Arkansas. But if you lose to South Carolina, I don't think you're going in winning both of those games. So I know that 6-6 six and six in, in the the Birmingham Bowl is not what fans started this season wanting, but it's now what's left. And if you're going to get there, that makes Saturday at 3 o'clock, I think, a must-win game for Missouri against South Carolina. And it's been a good series. It's It's been competitive. I think this will be competitive. The line was, was 3 last I looked. I'm not sure where it's at right now, but... Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday because I do think these are two teams in pretty similar spots with with new coaches, you know, obviously Drinkwitz' the second year and Beamers first, but with new coaches uh, trying to build things up and, and kind of rise above into that upper half of the SEC East over the next couple years and and obviously, one will have a lot to say about whether the other one gets there or not. So appreciate Chris Clark taking some time to hang out with us. Appreciate if you guys are watching live, just hit the like button, hit the subscribe button um, before you leave. If you're listening on the podcast that I'll put up as soon as this is over, we ask you to, to leave us a nice review, to say some kind words, to you know maybe give us five stars, all those type of things that, that do help spread the word about what we're doing. We've done this now. I mean, we are in week This will be game 10, so we're in week 11 of the football season. We have done this basically six days a week, almost every week, and um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it all season long. Tomorrow on our pick show, we're going to have Bud Sasser, former Mizzou wide receiver, um, joining us, and obviously he played a little bit against South Carolina, so talk to him about that game and others and and what he has been doing since then. Uh, So he will join us tomorrow afternoon, about 3.30. We're pushing the show back tomorrow a little bit later to – to accommodate Bud's schedule. Um, but want to also, once again, thank Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones, a different kind of investment firm, FaceTime and personal time, a big deal to the people at Edward Jones. They'll meet with you to learn your individual needs rather than just giving you a cookie cutter strategy that's going to work for everybody. They want to talk to you. How aggressive do you want to be? What's your goal? Are you looking more at growth or more at just protecting what you have? You know, They're going to talk to you about all those things and kind of figure out the best approach for you and your financial planning uh whether you're trying to reduce tax bills, maybe you want to save for college, maybe you just kind of want to have that nest egg there and, and make sure that you know you grow that a little bit every year. Whatever you want Stewart can take care of you. 573-817-3108. Contact him today to help develop develop an investment strategy that makes sense for you. So, once again, guys, thanks for watching and uh I will be back tomorrow with Bud Sasser picking some college football games. Talk to you then.